places. We've just been having such a, a, a great time of uh, seeing what God is doing, and um, certainly uh, He is always on time. He's faithful. He doesn't uh, disappoint. He doesn't uh, go on vacation, and I think that's something that we are experiencing over and over again. He is always faithful and just the idea that he encourages us to trust him, to believe in him, to have faith in him. And when we do that, we see marvelous uh, things taking place in the body of Christ. And so I thank him for what he has done over these past months as we were waiting for uh, him to bring us the person that will take us to the next level. But the thing about it, it's always good to know that we have something going on in us that says, you know, God has taken me to various levels. And so when he comes to bring uh, this leadership, he's coming into where people's hearts are already moving in a direction of anticipation. Isn't that just beautiful? that we don't have to twist your arm, we don't have to beat on you, we don't have to threaten you, we don't have to uh, entice you, we don't have to trick you. This is not Halloween. We don't have to put on costumes, we don't have to wear a mask. We are very transparent as to what we believe God wants to do, and especially here at Hope. So today we're going to continue uh, to... Uh, look at the uh, Psalms of Summer. This will be the conclusion of this series. And we do thank God for Pastor Scott, as God had been using him to help us to navigate through uh, the Psalms over the last uh, few weeks. And so if you have your Bibles, or as Dwayne would say, if you have your devices, your electronics, Turn with me to Psalms 24, 7 through 10. Psalms 24, 7 through 10. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. This passage of Scripture was authored by David, King David, is one of his psalms, and it is believed that this psalm was sung at the second attempt of David wanting to bring the Ark of the Covenant into the city of David, or into Jerusalem. And what I have seen in Scripture as we look back into the Old Testament, that there was great rejoicing, there was great excitement 
because the city of David was a beautiful city. It would adorn with all that God wanted that city to represent, except for the one thing that was missing, and that was the presence of God. The presence of God was not there in the city. And David was moved by God that where the ark was is not where God wanted it to be. He wanted that ark to be among the people of God. And I think so often how we tend to not want to be as expressive or not wanting to share our testimony or really talk about the things of God, maybe as much as you did when you first accepted Jesus Christ. Many of you may have realized, I know I can think about my own self. I was so excited. You know, I went home and told my brother, you know, I had gotten saved. I accepted the Lord into my life. You need to come to this meeting. You need to come because God is doing great and marvelous things. And after I accepted the Lord, I had these stack of of R&B records, of 45s back in those days. I had uh, 33s and a halves. Uh, some of you may know, remember the 33 and a half. That was a, a grade up. I had a big record player with attachable speakers, and I never played that thing unless I had the maximum capacity that it was able to hold. But when Jesus came into my life, I said, this was my God. This was the thing that my whole life worked around. This was what I looked at as my foundation. This was my love. This was my passion. And I said, with all of that passion, I realized there wasn't no place there. God was not present. God was not nowhere in all of that. All I wanted to do was make people happy with my music. But when I accepted Christ, I took all of those 45s. I took all those 33s and a half. And back in those days, it was okay to take stuff and burn in your backyard. You know, you get in trouble today. Maybe we need to have more, you know. But, you know, they say, well, it pollutes the air. But at that time, I didn't care about all of that. I didn't know about all the polluting of the air. All I knew that it was polluting my life in such a way that God was nowhere to be found. But I took all of those 45s, those 33s, I would go down to a store called Swans in Oakland. I wouldn't just buy one record. I would buy four so I can get one free. So that's just how, you know, obsessed I was with that. But I took all of those records, I put them in a furnace, and I burned every one of them. I was so excited. I was so excited. Jesus had come into my life. Jesus now was at the center of my life. And I began to talk to my brother in such a way to just share. You know, I didn't have that biblical background. I couldn't just roll, scriptures weren't rolling off my mouth. But I was just letting him know that Jesus had come into my life. And I was now changed. I was being transformed. I wanted to be like him. I wanted to know him. I wanted to learn about him. And he looked at me like I had lost my mind. Why would you do that? You could have given all of that to me. I could have taken it. 
I said, no, these were the things that were in my way. And I didn't want it to pass that on to someone else, that it can be in someone else's way. But David knew that the ark of the covenant needed to be among the people of God. For, for a theme today, I looked at an old hymn that was titled, Bring the Sacrifice of Praise into the House of the Lord. This is an old hymn by Kurt uh, Dearman, and that really resonated with me. I said, you know, we're talking about lift up the heads, O ye gates. We're talking about gates be lifted up. You have less door. Let the king of glory come in. And I think about, you know what? We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. You don't send someone to represent you. You don't send someone to say, can you go and do this for me? You bring it. It's, it's different when you come. Someone say, well, I was there in the spirit of. No, well, he wasn't there, but they say, well, you know, I guess his spirit was there. He was in the spirit of being there. No, it's different when you are there. It's different when you come. It's different when you show up. It's different when you say, I'm going to make all the effort to make sure that what God is doing in my life, someone else is going to be touched or blessed or moved by what he's doing on in my life. It's my testimony that you should hear. It's my testimony that you should be able to see the glory of God and begin to say, how can I? How can I have that? How can I experience that? But you need to bring it. You need to come. Not having someone speak for you, represent you. No, when you come, it makes a difference. So that theme resonated with me that we should bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. Uh, I was looking at uh, Romans 12 and 1 through the Message Bible, and it says, So here, what I want you to do, God helping you, take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You will be changed from the inside out. Take those everyday things that you don't think about that much and say, God, whatever the challenge is in my life this day, this moment, I'm going to bring it to you as an offering, as a sacrifice of praise. And when you think of that word sacrifice, you think of the idea of someone giving all, everything, not holding back not trying to negotiate with God, not trying to talk to God and get out of something, but you are completely engaged, irregardless of how much of a weight it is on you, how much you've been beat up, 
what the disappointments are, how much loss you've had, how many battle scars you have. It doesn't matter. In the midst of all of that, I'm going to still make the sacrifice and give God praise. I think about Jesus. Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice. He gave his all. He came all the way from heaven down. You know, he could have just said, well, you know, I'm just, I don't want to go down there and be beaten and nailed to a cross. I don't want to go down there and be sped on. I don't want to go down there and be ostracized. But I'm going because God so loved the world that he has sent me to do that. I'm going in the power and the strength of my Father. And as Jesus walked these streets and walked these avenues, he continued to talk about the Father. When all things were coming against him to get him to change his mind, to look in another direction, when, when that adversary uh, challenged him and said, you know, why don't you just you know, do something on your own? You have enough stuff going on in you. You don't need God. You don't need God here. Why don't you take charge of this whole life of yours? And, and, you know, you're popular. Why don't you do some things on your own? You know, why don't you turn these uh, stones into bread? Why don't you jump off this cliff? You know, you know what the scripture says, what God will do. Why don't you bow down to me? I can give you everything. I can give you the whole world. But Jesus said in response to him, man should not live by bread alone but by every word of God. We shall not worship or have no other gods before us, but God and God alone shall we worship. God alone is who we design our, our, our destiny, our lives, our pattern after him. It's him who's given us the schematic. You know, the, when Jesus was talking to the disciples, he said, you know, after they had been uh, engaged with him and you know, God was just speaking words of life to them. And others were listening to it, and it just could not take it. It just did not register with them. They could not, uh, and they did not want to accept what Jesus Christ was saying to them. And many of them left. But then Jesus looked at those who were left and said, will you go also? But you know what Peter said? To whom shall we go? Who can speak the words of life and have the authority behind what is being said? He said, you are the son of God. Only you have the word of God or the word of life. And I think about that in such a, such a beautiful way. I, I, I was kind of thinking about the idea that, you know, we, and if you can agree with me, that we have taken a lot of stuff from the church, a lot of good stuff. We kind of look at it mostly as good stuff. We have our sermon notes. We have, you know, programs. We go to meetings. We go to conferences. We make uh, uh, efforts to get information. We have books on top of books. You know, I have a, a, a little room in my house that's just full of books, you know, all books on the shelf. Yvonne has a room in her office, you know, shelves that are just full of books. And, you know, we got stuff all over everywhere. And when we want to do research, we're pulling out books and books are being laying, papers and magazine articles are being all over the house. They're, they're everywhere. You know, I'm grabbing books and I'm moving from this room to that room and, and papers and notebooks. 
You know, we have, a, my daughter has a, has a, a dog, a, a new dog called uh, Cooper, a little small, frisky, full of energy. And one day the dog went in and one of those Bibles that we had moved from one place to another was laying on, and he got hold of that Bible and just started chewing it all up, and it was all in tatters, you know. Maybe there was something about he wanted what that was all about. What the, maybe he felt there was something in that that was different than his dog food. And so he grabbed that Bible and he was chewing on it. I said, we don't even have that kind of energy. And I get to thinking about, we have, we have taken so much from ministries, so much from God speaking into our lives. We have layers and layers of stuff that we have taken from our experiences. But my question is, what are we bringing back to the house of God? What are we bringing back into the presence of God? We have layers. I say to myself, as much stuff that I have in my house and as many conferences that I've been to, I just came from one a few days ago, the GLS, you know, um, what we call the Global Leadership uh, Summit, just happened a few days ago. More speakers, more books. Get my book, get my book, buy my book. And <laughs> I, said, I said to myself, I got the thing, I said, I'm not ready to just jump and put my $10 down on this table. I got all those books at home. If I had uh, really absorbed all of those books, I should be walking on water. I should be raising the dead. I should be speaking to the blind and their eyes are open. I should be just saying, rebuke you, Satan, and he just fleeing from people. But I realized with all of that consumption that you can probably bring in a lot, but what are we doing to take it, to bring it? Bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of God. Bring all your being, mind, soul, and body as you come. Let me be an agent of impact on somebody's life. Not judge them prior to first waiting to see what God wants to do, but being available, being ready to be used by God because I'm coming in his name, in his strength, in his call on my life. I'm bringing him these things that he may be able to work through me to touch someone's life. And so I think about how uh, beautiful it is to be able to come and bring what God has poured into your life. Uh, I think so often as, um, you know, as God has equipped us and has sent us out, and he just doesn't want us to go out and, you know, put these things in a place where they can't be used. I think about the man who, who gave the talents to three individuals. He gave one um, five uh, talents, he gave another two, and he gave one uh, one. And that one with the five immediately recognized, wow, this is, this is great stuff I hear. I, I have a, a nice collection. You know, some people who are collectors, they don't give their stuff away. They wouldn't be called collectors. I have a lot of elephants uh, in a curio. And, and, you know, I wouldn't be a collector if I gave the elephant away every time I got one. But every time I get one, I get excited. 
and I try to move things around to put that new gift that I got among the ones that I already have. So I become a collector. But then God, the, you know, the man said, well, you know, here I'm giving, I'm going away, and I want you to do something with what I'm giving you. So the one man said, well, I'm going to go and I'm going to invest my five talents. I'm going to go and I'm going to find a way to multiply it. I'm going to find a way that it would become very useful for a greater cause. And when he did, he went and he did. He was able to multiply. It multiplied. He was able to come back to his, his master and let him see what uh, he did with what was given to him. And the response to that was that you, you have done a great job. You've been uh, uh, faithful over a few things. And because of that, because of your thinking outside of yourself, thinking about others, thinking about how to use, I'm going to make you ruler over many. So the same thing happened with the one that had the two talents. He, he kind of uh, saw the same idea. This is not something that I, you know, hold and harbor or become a hoarder but it's something that I need to give away. And so he went and did the same thing. But it was that one person that only had one talent, and he went and buried it. And I think, how often do we take the things of God and we just kind of put it on the shelf? We just kind of bury it. You know, the praise went forth, the worship went forth, the word of God went forth. But are we saying, when I leave here, this is not where it all ends. This is where it begins. Now I have the uh, authority. Now I have the uh, 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 okay to go forth and share my life with someone else. And, but he hid his. And when he came back, the first thing he said, I was afraid to do anything with it. And many times people say, well, you know, I just can't talk to people. I just can't uh, share my life with people so I don't say anything. I'm afraid of what they're going to say to me or how they're going to make me feel. But God has given us the boldness that as we are making these sacrifices and we begin to not think about what it is and how it's going to impact us, we come to bring it and to offer it to God and let God use it in a way that he desires for it to be used. When I think about David and wanting to bring that Ark of the Covenant back to the city of David, that ark had been through a lot of kinds of scenarios and different kinds of situations. When, when Israel was disobedient to God, they found themselves without a victory. They would find themselves in captivity. And when that happened, it was like what God was doing on their behalf wasn't happening. And this was one of those occasions where the Philistines were able to capture the Israelites and to capture the Ark of the Covenant. And they knew what that meant to the Israelites. And they took that Ark and they took it into their camp. The thing that stood out to me about that is that when they did that, believing now that they had something precious that belonged to someone else, that they can use it in the same way. It's a bargaining. It's a, a way to get things done and to make it uh, so that now they will have all the benefits of what the ark represent. What they found out was that God 
is not going to compromise. He's not going to say, I'm just going to include your evil attitude or your evil ways. Let's find a way to mix righteousness and unrighteousness. He's not a person that's going to want to mix those things together. We have a world out there saying, well, you can go to Sunday service or go to church on Sundays, but yet we got a whole bunch of other stuff that can make your week very exciting. And that's okay. You can just do church on Sundays, and that's all that's required of you, just as long as you go. But what happened is that the Ark of the Covenant was put in a temple of an idol called Dagon that they worshiped. And as the Ark was sitting there, it was in its form of what God had designed it to be. And that statue fell to the ground and fell over in the presence of that ark because God was not going to allow this idol pagan representation to have any kind of relationship with the power in which that ark represented. And so the Philistines, the next day they went in there and they put the idol back up on his feet and they thought, you know, couldn't understand exactly what was happening. And then again, the idol fell over. This second time when it fell, it broke into several pieces. The head broke off, the arms broke off. And they began to be very, very disturbed about this ark that was sitting in their presence. All of a sudden, plagues broke out. All of a sudden, all kind of calamity began to happen within their camp. And they began to realize that that ark that was the heart of the Israelites, the center of who the Israelites was, was not something that they wanted in their presence. They could not find a way to accommodate the Ark of the Covenant. God is not going to accommodate evil. God is not going to find a way to allow you to exercise a sinful life or a sinful behavior. He's not going to say, that's okay. I'll find a place for it. I'll find a seat for it. No, God is going to want to give us to find a way that that can be removed from us and that we can completely be separated from those things that pollute our lives, those things that cause us to be against God. And so they were trying to find all kinds of ways to get that ark back to Israel. How can we bring that ark back to Israel? And they begin to work all kinds of things to get it back to them. And what happened is that eventually it ended up into the house of Abinadab. It stayed there for 20 years in the house of Abinadab. And David began to say, we need the presence of God in the place that it belongs. And we as the people of God are saying, as I bring the sacrifice of God into the house of God, I recognize this is where it belongs. It belongs in my heart. It belongs in the center of who I am. It belongs in all the things that I do. I need to see the evidence of it working as I get up in the morning and as I lay down in the evening, as I go in and come out, as I speak and as I share my life with others, they need to see that this is where God dwells. 
he dwells in the temple of his power. And David finally, on wanting to get that ark to the city of David, he forgot some things himself. The ark was put on a new cart. It was put on a uh, different kinds of way of carrying it, which was against what God wanted and how he wanted it to be carried. He wanted that ark to be carried by the priests. No one was supposed to touch that ark. He wanted no hands on the ark. It was to be carried by the priest by two rods that fit along the side of it. And if anything changed with that, that God had given them those kind of instructions, they would meet real serious consequences, even death. And so as the Philistines were putting their hands and they were trying to handle it, they put it on a cart. They've got two oxen and they try to pull it along. They were violating the very thing that God said he would not accept. And David, too, forgot that the instructions were that it was to be carried by the priests. It was not to be touched. It was not to be handled. And I think so often how we want to get our hands on God's stuff. We want to, you know, get in the way of God's movement. We want to get in the way of the Spirit of God. And we want to get our hands on it. We want it to be able to maneuver and manipulate it in a way that it fits our liking. It fits our preference. But when we want to make a real sacrifice for God and give God the complete glory, it's not about my preference. It's not about what I want. What is it that God wants? Let me do it God's way. If I do it God's way, there's going to be a great blessing and change that's going to take place among his people. So David, for the first time, trying to bring the Ark of the Covenant to the city of David, to Jerusalem, didn't do it right. And one of his, uh, one of his captains was there, and he had it on a, on a cart, and an oxen was pulling it, and the cart began to stumble, and the guy went to reach over to grab it to try to upright it, and he actually fell. He fell dead because he violated what God really wanted and how he wanted the ark to be carried. And the ark ended up into another house because David felt it wasn't, he wasn't ready. He wasn't ready for it to come into the city of God the only way it would come is that we had to do it the right way. So three months later, he began to go back to the original intent that God wanted, to bring the ark the way that God wanted to be brought. And he went and he brought it. He brought it because the priests were carrying it the way that God wanted the priests to carry it. And it finally arrived in the place that God wanted it to be because they honored God's command. They honored what God wanted to do. And I think so often today that we need to be very diligent about honoring God. Don't be fooled by the commercial influence. Don't be impacted by how others want it to be. Because somebody over here said, you get the best results if you do it this way. Somebody else over here said, you get the best results if you do it that way. We need to be focused on what is it that God say to us through his word? You know, how do we bring 
the sacrifice of praise. I want to just give you a quick uh, look at what that ark looked like and how it was a very precious uh, piece of furniture because it was in the actual uh, tabernacle of God. It was the most important piece of furniture because it was there where God met with the people of God between the seraphim, between the two angels that were on top of the ark. He met with his people there, and it was covered with gold. It had a mercy seat, which received the blood from the, the uh, uh, altar of sacrifice, was poured onto the mercy seat. In the ark was the Ten Commandments. This was the testimony of how God's people were to align their lives. It was a testimony to how God brought them out of bondage, out of Egypt. And all of these things were there in the ark. But the beauty part about it is that God's heart and desire was to be among his people, not some foreign land, not just some mental idea, not just some concept or some trend. He wanted to be alive among his people. And so we find out that uh, this particular ark was something that God knew, that as long as I was given the place that was important to me being in the center of the people of God, then the blessings of God would flow from heaven. The blessings of God would come in a way that it would impact every life that was in my presence. And so I think so often as to, when I ask the questions, how do we bring the sacrifice of praise. And if you have your notes, I just want to give you a few things to uh, take away. Maybe I'm giving you more takeaways today. And uh, 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 I don't want you just to take them and put them on the shelf. You know, I got so many sermon notes from Dwayne and so many sermon notes from so many speakers, and I have them in folders. I have them all piled up everywhere. And I keep saying to myself, I need to start seeing and going back into those things and drawing from them and figuring out how can I really bring what they talk about, what they mean. How can I bring them back? So, so how do we bring the sacrifice of praise? We bring the sacrifice of praise by responding to the voice of God. The gatekeeper opened the gate for him, and the sheep listened to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and lead them out. Then he has brought, when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep followed him because they know his voice. St. John 10, 3 through 4. It's something about we are in such a relationship with Jesus Christ. We're in such a place of in fellowship with him not only with him, but with the people of God. Because within the people of God, we are also in relationship with Jesus Christ. And we have been able now to know the voice of God. When strangers come, when people come that we know are not uh, here for our best interest, they're not here to lift us up, they're here to divide and separate and to bring us down, those people we do not want to follow. 
We do not want to go down those pathways. I think about a lot of things that, that can be said when you're going through a transition and you begin to say to yourself, Lord, where are you? Maybe some felt that God had, had abandoned us. But I think about it that we have a gatekeeper, the Holy Spirit that stands at the gate of our hearts. And when he opens that gate, the call of God comes forth. We know his voice because he has now allowed us to be in his presence over and over again. And when he gets ready to lead us, like the ark was used to lead his people, when we are being led by him, we know we can go in and out and not fear stumbling or falling or tripping because it is he that we know is the one that keeps the pathway clear for us. The second way we can bring the sacrifice of praise is by openly professing his name. In Hebrews 13 and 15, we find, through Jesus, therefore let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. I think about Paul and Silas as they sat there in that um, place where um, they were in jail, they were captive, and they were in prison. And they begin at midnight, give praise and glory and honor to God. You know, when they were put in prison, they brought the sacrifice of praise with them. They weren't trying to look for it. They weren't screaming and saying, where are you, God? It was within them, that glory and honor and, and confidence that God was there with them. And they begin to lift him up. They begin to lift up those doors, those gates. They begin to say, let the king of glory come in with their praise, their thanksgiving, their songs. And sure enough, God came in their presence in such a way that he broke the gate of the prisons wide open. And you would think that, well, that's a real act and blessing of God that allowed them to escape. Now he has opened the door that you might be set free. But when God comes in, when we bring the sacrifice of praise, it's not for our own personal satisfaction. We are waiting in his presence because we are waiting for God to do what he intends to do. We are stepping aside. We are getting out of the way. We're not trying to rush him. We're not trying to say, God, you need to do. We're not like Peter. Lord, you need to do this. You need to do that. God told Peter, you need to get behind me because you are getting in the way. But they waited. They waited for what God was going to do next. And God began to speak to the jailer who was charged to hold them, to keep them, to guard them. And God began to minister to the jailer. They didn't rush out. They didn't run. But they wanted to see a complete work of God take place in that situation of their sacrifice. And God brought another soul into the kingdom of his glory because they waited. They waited. They came with a full intent 
of saying, I'm going to just praise God until he finished what he has started. I'm going to stay here until I see God change your life. I'm going to stay here until you finally get a handle on it. I'm going to stay here with you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to go and do what I need to do to help you get on the right path. And that's what we do when we bring the glory of God into the house of God. We stay there until God does something for some life. That's why we pray. We are the living stones being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, 1 Peter 2 and 5. The third thing that we can look at is by prayer. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present yourself or your request to God, Philippians 4 and 6. You know, prayer is the key. Prayer is the key. And, and when we are made in his image and in his likeness, we are a copy of God. We are, we are like Jesus Christ. We are made in his image. When the cut was made, it was made from the original key. God himself is how we are patterned. We are patterning after the original. So when we are praying, we know that we have the, the key. We have the key. And then the fourth thought is, by faith into his grace. Faith is what unlocks the door. Faith is what unlocks the door. Though whom also we have access by faith into his grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, who has given us Romans 5, 2 through 5. Faith into his grace is what unlocks the door. With faith, we can put the key through prayer into that lock, and with faith, we turn that key, and God opens that door. Then we know how and see the effects of coming in the sacrifice of praise because we have been made in his image. We have been born again. We are new creations. We're not the old people. We have been changed. And now we are the change agents. And so I believe that as we look at these items, as we look at these points, point five, by his fearless word, we take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in all the spirits, in all occasions, with all things of prayers and requests. With this in mind, we in Ephesians 6, 17 through 19, are learning how to be bold, how to be fearless, how not to be afraid, how not to be intimidated. I want to show you a picture that 
of a particular uh, team that uh, is known for intimidation. Uh, they call themselves the Raider Nation. The Raiders Nation. When you look at that picture, there's a, there's a sense of intimidation. They are fearless. They are bold. Yes, they may lose a game. They may get run over. It's been a long time since they've been to the Super Bowl. Well, yes, they beat the Cardinals well, last night, but that doesn't change the fearlessness of who they are. They even have created what they call a section in their Coliseum called the black hole. So when you come to their house, you're going to know that they don't really care for you and they would rather see you in the black hole. And we should have that same kind of attitude, fearless with the word of God. Paul was bold. Paul would go right into the presence of his enemy and he spoke to that woman who was possessed with that demon and he spoke to that, that demon and told that demon to get out of her. Set her free. We're not timid people. We're not a people that want to run in the opposite direction, but we are bold. We need to put on our game face as the people of God. And number six, by clean hands and a pure heart. For one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. We need to know truly our hands are clean. Our hands are not being in every place that they shouldn't be. That we have the bright, proper protection to keep our hands clean. That we have a pure heart. The words to that song, we bring the sacrifice of praise. It says, Lord, we've come into our house and we've gathered in your name. It's a privilege to be here. We're so glad we came. We, we came since, and since your holy presence and the warmth of your embrace. As we lift our hearts in worship, we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. And we offer up to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and the sacrifice of joy. Lord, you taught us in your word to give thanks in everything. You provide a place of refuge beneath the shadow of your wings. So we purpose to obey you and to walk in all your ways. Lord, in every situation, we will bring the sacrifice of praise. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you for giving us a sense of not just takeaway and takeaway, not just be hoarders or consumers, but God, we want to bring the sacrifice of praise. We want to come, depending on not, not being with preferences, not saying I can only come if I have this particular benefit, if I have this working for me. But we come, Lord, saying I'm giving you all. I'm not trying to be specific. I'm not trying to say, you know, it's my needs that got to be met first. But I want to make this sacrifice. I want to offer myself to you as I give you glory, as I give you thanks for what you're doing in me, what you're doing in your faith community, God, please just bless in a way that will 
Give glory to you in every place and in every way. In Jesus' name, amen.